hello again from Ladysmith Harbor, where I find myself aboard one of the most iconic boats in the Pacific Northwest here, the Hecate Ranger, which is tied up here at the Ladysmith Community Marina for some maintenance before heading back into the Georgia Strait en route to Waters North or Up Island. This vessel is magnificent. It's more than 50 years old, built in 1962 as a workboat for the British Columbia Forest Service Patrol Fleet. It was auctioned off into the private sector, I guess back in the early 80s, and uh, converted into a liveaboard by several owners uh, over the years, the latest of whom are the Pembertons, who are with me today, or I'm with them, Clive and Patricia, who live aboard this vessel all four seasons. She's 62 feet long with a 17-foot beam. <laughs> well, yes, 62.6. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's wide, 17-foot beam or so. Uh, you know, it has an operating system on board here that is about the same as a small municipality <laughs> with all of the mechanics and the... Uh, the sewage and the uh, disposals and the mechanics and all of the electronics. So I couldn't pass up the chance to talk to the Pembersons, or Pembersons rather, before they untied the lines here at Ladysmith for Ports North. And I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, and welcome aboard the Hackett Major. <laughs> what on earth um, motivates you to, to pick up a boat like this uh, I won't ask you the details, maybe later on in the conversation we will, but to live aboard a ship like this, uh, it just is so big with so much. Well, it's the Admiral's fault. <laughs> um, yeah, it is I, my fault. You know, when we were looking for a boat, I specifically said nothing bigger than 55 feet, preferably 50 feet. That's about as much as I can handle. So we were looking online at boats. And Patricia had found this one and fell in love with it. And if you were, you're looking in the interior, you can understand why. So this boat's 66 feet long and had a full-time engineer on board. And um, but Patricia just loved it. And so she bought it under the condition that I was not to spend my life taking care of the boat. And I pointed out that there was a full-time <laughs> engineer on board, but that uh, didn't seem to phase her, so we ended up buying the boat. Um, the boat itself came with four bedrooms and three bathrooms. The whole interior is mahogany and teak and Brazilian cherrywood flooring and things like that, and lots of brass. He's just gorgeous. But, you know, it's a huge vessel. It's um, 77 tons. And um, when we load up with fuel and water, we take on 36,000 pounds. Our last boat only weighed 34,000 pounds in total. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's just a, yeah, it's a bizarre adventure, this one. Oh, that's what I want to talk about. I mean, I started this podcast basically to talk to boaters, generally average boaters, um, most of whom are like me. You know, they got 27, 30 foot, 35. My polycraft is across the harbor from me there. Mm -hmm. Nice um, You know, as a rookie, I found it the learning curve, not only on sea, but the systems, was steep. Mm -hmm. But this is ten times that. It is. This is uh, our third boat. Mm -hmm. so, so we've had some experience before. Okay. And In um, the mid-80s, 
they have a good job and a nice place, a home with a garage and a shop. And I thought I should really put a roof over my head. We were just renting at that point. So I thought it was either like take a Greyhound bus and camperize it or build a boat. Now I could always put the boat on the hard, but I could never put the bus in the water. So I ended up building a boat. Now my previous experience to carpentry was I had built a spice rack in junior high school. <laughs> so I thought I should not build the hull of this boat because it will probably sink. So I got the hull commissioned out of steel and I put the cabin and everything on it. And we launched that boat in 1990. Lived on that boat. And then um, it was a 40-foot boat. And then in 96, this woman came along and offered me more money for that boat than I thought it was worth. And I'd been eyeballing up a true full-blown West Coast boat called Trim. It was a halibut boat built with Prince Rupert for Una River Shipyards in 1945. And Trim was just a magnificent seaboat and had many attributes, including the fact that she was built exclusively from beechwood. It was what? so I thought that was very cool. So we went and put a cabin in the house on that boat and lived on that boat till when? 2017, 18? 2018. Mm -hmm. yeah. At which point we thought we'd had enough. And Patricia decided that she would like to live on land for a bit. So we bought a lovely house on Denman Island. It's on 12 acres on a lake, funky cabin built for draft dodgers in 1972, <laughs> the big shop. We lived there happily ever after for two and a half years. <laughs> and then Patricia came to me one day and said, this is really boring. <laughs> the I don't want to do this anymore. So, so it was me, really. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that, it, that it, it's you who is the... Which is different. Because it's usually it's the guy. It's usually it's the guy. Mm -hmm. and usually the, when I first moved aboard the trim with Clive, his friends had a bet on how long it would take before I made him get off that boat. Because they didn't think a woman would be able to live on a boat full time. But you love it. I, I do. And like I say, you know, when I just I just had had enough of owning land and all of the things. We, we never got to go away on our boat. For like two and a half years, we didn't, well, plus it was during COVID when we were on Deadman, which was a good place to be if you were going to have to lock down more or less. Um, but we never got to go on the boat. And I really missed it and, and felt that I'd sort of, We'd lost our way. This was not our way. So I just said, you know, and he was totally 100% behind me. He's like, okay, when are we going to the real estate office? And we went to the real estate agent the very next day and listed the house. It was just like boom, boom, boom. And, and started looking for boats? And started looking for boats. Mm -hmm. and, and I knew when I saw this boat that it was more than we had talked about. But I just loved her and and i saw us doing this like you know not necessarily a podcast but like having people over for you know whatever and and just going everywhere and and enjoying what we had done for so many years before we decided that we were going to live on the hard so i'm not going to do that again but what about the operation of this boat i mean this is a ship <laughs> it is, mm -hmm. it is yeah. this is um, <laughs> this is not your average pleasure boat it takes me back to my first 40-foot boat when i first went into a marina and I thought, oh my God, this entrance looks small, and boy, this looks difficult to do. Yeah. And we did it. Um, and then 
It was the same when we first brought this boat up to a wharf, into a marina. And it's 77 tons. So you don't just throw it at the wharf and throw a rope out and catch the boat. It has to be put precisely where you want it to go. And you have the capability of breaking the wharf right up to, or you know, doing damage to the ship. And as I playfully say, we went to Cowichan Bay, and the marina manager there is a wonderful man. He goes, I'll come down and, and help you dock your boat. We said, sure, that would be appreciated. They still haven't found him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's very challenging. But, um, you know, once you, you've ridden a small bike, a bigger bike's easier, right? It's just steps. And once you get the principles in, in your mind, you're okay. Basically, with all boats, your mind has to hit the wharf before your boat does. Yes. So you've got to look at winds and tides, currents, and that sort of thing. And uh, you make sure that the nature is with you when you park putting your boat up against the wharf. Right. Yeah. And it's difficult. We've had some challenges. What does it take, though, to keep this maintained? <laughs> I mean, you said earlier that, you, you know, you, it's, it's, you were, when you are on the land, you weren't using your boat because mm -hmm. you were looking after other things. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine, maybe I'm wrong or right, that you're... Maybe not using the boat as much on the water uh, because of the maintenance that it requires. It doesn't stop us, but it certainly uses up a lot of my time. And it's really hard to quantify. The original hot water heating system was a diesel-fired boiler. That was superseded by a hot water on demand. That failed the other day. So I got that all fixed up after several lengthy hours of working away and plumbing and things like that. Got everything turned on, turned on the pumps again. And lo and behold, the cold water tap in the bathroom had blown. Don't know why, suddenly it wouldn't close. Well, that tap was installed in 1962. So you pull open the guts of that, and it's like something out of Mars Attacks, Earth. <laughs> you just have no idea. So then you've got to figure out know, through that. But, so. It's got 1962 layers, it's got 1972 layers, 82 layers, 92 layers, 2002 layers, and most of them, the older layers never got taken out, the newer layers just got added. So I find a copper pipe in the rear bedroom that goes through the wall into the engine room, yeah, yeah. across, out the other end of the engine room, into the laundry room, across the wall, into the bathroom where it's open end at the other end as well. Yeah. So. And it's air over hydraulic, so it's got air pressure that you need to build up. It's uh, just, it takes you 40 minutes to start the engine in this boat. Wow. Which I find unnerving, because if you're dragging an anchor at night, you time out, I need 45 minutes before I can do anything. Yeah. That sort of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's bizarre. This reminds me of an old BC ferry. It reminds me of the Queen of Alberni or something like that. You know, when you, went on the ferry, you see all the piping and the plumbing and things that have been added on afterwards. This is what this boat reminds me of. But what, what about life on board, Patricia? Come on up here and just, um, what, what, do you, what do you like about this, the sea life? When you're, when you're out at sea, how, how do you compare that spiritually and otherwise to your life on land, which you said was very boring? Mm -hmm. but. What is it about, for the benefit of those who are either thinking about getting into the boating mm -hmm. life or are into it, particularly out here on the Gulf Islands, what is it about being on the sea 
that is so in your soul and that you love about? When I was a little girl, my very first desire to grow up and what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a tugboat operator. I could see them. My mom would take me. We would drive around and I would see them. And I really wanted to be a tugboat operator. And I liked the water. My mom didn't swim, so she made sure that I knew how to swim because she knew she couldn't save me if I fell in. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a city chick. I was born and raised in downtown Vancouver. I spent most of my life in downtown Vancouver. And I loved it at the t I loved it at the time. I didn't, the noise didn't bother me, the sirens and the car alarms, and I loved it. It just didn't bother me, it's where I lived. But when you're out here and it's dark and there's no light pollution and there's no noise pollution and it's just you and the water and your boat, it's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing. It's the freest I feel. You're totally unencumbered by anything. And the only thing you have to worry about is that your husband dropped the anchor properly and we're not dragging anywhere. But like I say, this isn't our first boat. So we've had, you know, Clive's had 30 plus years of experience on boats. Um, I've been doing it since 2003. So I've been doing it for 20 years. Wow. I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, but it's, Earth doesn't move. Land is hard. It's it's hard under your feet. It's hard around you. Like even if you get you know, old, it's nice here. There's trees, whatever. You're still on the hard, and, and that to me is that's the word for the land. It's hard. It's soft out here. We're not nuts. We don't go out in torrential weather. We don't have an agenda. We're retired. We don't have to be anywhere at any particular time. So we don't. We're not in a rush. We're not in a hurry go anywhere and so we just we find a place we like it we stay there until we get okay it's time to move on it if you've never caught your own fish or you've never pulled your own crab trap or dug for clams or picked oysters you simply are not able to call yourself a west coaster a bc -er. <laughs> we see people out and they don't have they don't have a fishing rod anywhere and we're like that's half the fun there, you just, when you get it yourself and you know where it came from and you got it and, and then you, you give the fish to your husband and he kills it and he cleans it and, he, and then he cooks it for me, you know. Yeah, no, I get there's it. There's nothing like, there's just, there's no other lifestyle where you are free to move. Right? So I don't, I don't, you don't like your neighbors where you live. You're stuck. You got to sell your house and move. I don't like my neighbors like these guys here that are making so much noise right now. I can just go. Yeah. And, and there's, it, it's just, like I, I say, it's the freest I feel is when we're underway or we're in a quiet little anchorage where there's nobody. I mean, we've gone 10, 11, 12 days where we've never seen another boat. Like, that's just impossible anywhere else. Where can you go anywhere else unless you go up into the forest or the mountains and with your luck you're gonna find a bear <laughs> or something. No. I I it, it's not for everyone. I can see why women find it difficult if you're a collector of things or you like you know your China and your whatever this is my China. Yeah. That's my China. 
right? Um, so it's not for everybody. No, and I but get it. But, but, but it's... I, I guess, you know, the Gulf Islands have been described by boaters that I'm meeting, and I'm new to the area, but I'm certainly, you know, blown away by the, the scenery and the options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the Gulf Islands really does seem to be some of the greatest boating water in the world. Oh, absolutely. And um, I would agree. And and you verify that? And yeah. What's your experience been? Yeah. And mm -hmm. We're, why is Gulf. it? Why is it that? Well, I mean, the Gulf Islands in the summertime is very Mediterranean, and because you're on an inland sea in the Salish Sea, for us who come from the west coast of Vancouver, Island, I call this a large bathtub. So you can't seriously get into too much trouble. You're not going to lose your life, for example, boating out here very, very rarely. You'd have to work at it. So, and there's lots of bays and little beaches and things like that. And, and also for the more city type people, there's lots of restaurants and small communities that you can visit and sightsee and shop and things like that as well. Right. Um, personally, it's not my cup of tea. I prefer areas that are unfound. And if you see something in a boating magazine that says this is a great place to be, I don't want to go there because too many people are there. Already. Right, but 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 would you prefer to be on the outside, on the big Pacific from Vancouver? Yeah, the outside is very nice. We enjoy that. And uh, but basically, well, enjoy that as long as it's calm. Or do you want no, you want to you want to be challenged by the? The worst we've been out was a thirty knot wind, six foot breaking rough on an eight meter swell. And I thought we were going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Never Sounds like a lot of fun to me. Well, it was. Never going to the sound when the tide is coming out of yeah, the sound yeah, was yeah. The, the, the lesson there. But, yeah. you know, um, yeah, it's best on a calm sea. In summertime, the seas are usually 1.6 meters. For, so, you, you know, compared to this, if you have a 1.6 meter sea in the Gulf Islands, it's a storm and you're heading for cover. So, yeah. But, you know, it's we prefer... Like some of the inlets back up in here is a lot of boats go from marina to marina to marina. And we go off that beaten track and off. It's like driving up a logging road compared to driving down the freeway. So it's easy to get away from people and it's some really, truly magnificent places where it gets dark at night. You see stars, you see whales, you yeah. see all sorts of You animals. can see the Milky Way at night mm. in some places. You and, can and actually we, see it. And one thing that I really like about the boat is if you're living on land, the corner of your house might have some paint off or a piece of wood might be rotten or something like that. You can sit on that couch and become a couch potato and get fat and not do anything for years on end if you want to. You can't do that on a boat. You have to keep mentally and physically far more alert on a boat because if something negative does happen, it can be dynamically catastrophic. So you better deal with it. You better keep ahead of everything and keep everything in good condition. I like that. As I approach my 70s, I think that's one of the things that helps keep me mentally young. And some people would be afraid of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is what, you know, prevents some people mm -hmm. from getting into the boating lifestyle. Yeah. Um, when I started, which is just recently, mm -hmm. I had the um, I had the fear, and the learning curve seemed steep. Mm -hmm. um, that was just tides, currents, docking. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think 
you know, over two and a half years, I've learned a lot from a lot of mentors and just people here on the dock. Sure. I feel very competent mm -hmm. doing that. But I still have a very strong awareness of what this ocean water and the power of the sea mm -hmm. uh, can do. And you don't go out. In it. No, you well, you either and, don't go out, or you should be afraid. Well, that, I guess that's my point: is you should never. In this, I, I'm not the expert here. I'm trying to interview people who are experts. Oh, no. Chrome, Chrome Lighthouse up here at the south end of Denman. They, the lighthouse keeper there will show you a video of waves hitting the lighthouse. Yeah, coming right, right. Yeah. over. That's got to be 30 feet above ocean level. Yeah. Right. So things happen. Um, so yeah, uh, you you that's what I mean. It keeps you on your edge. It keeps your game sharp, and that's a good thing. It will help keep your brain working and help keep your body functioning too. It really. The, the other really nice thing I find about boating is the boating community is quite wonderful and quite tight. We right. help each other. We're friendly. We're open. Right. We'll chat. We'll help. We'll do whatever it takes to help the other person out. Right. And you run a person across a person like you and I here. If we see you in the Broughtons or the north end of Vancouver Island, you bet we're going to come and have a cup of coffee and sit down and make sure that both of our boats are in mechanically good shape and don't need anything. Yeah. And we're both ready to continue on. Yeah. So that tightness is really a lovely thing. And very, very few people go boating. You know, less than 2% of the population, they're willing to climb on a boat for uh, any length of time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So but to a degree, we are special. Well, yeah. And that goes to you as well, right? Yeah. How many people would go and hop on a boat? Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. So that's a bonding thing for us. No, I, I agree and I've you know, really noticed how wow. close the, the, the voting community is. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, because I come from eastern Canada, from Toronto, so okay. the west coast is not, not my roots. No. So, you know, there are lots of Canadians who think they know the country. Well, they don't know anything about the country if they haven't seen British Columbia and they haven't exactly. seen the West Coast and they haven't seen the Gulf Islands. I mean, right. this is all Canada. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I would say the Maritimes, too. Uh, you know, it's that central part of the country and those economic, um, you know, centers of influence, the Montreal's, the Toronto's. You know, they're freshwater lakes, they're boats. I'm, I'm not knocking either one of them. It's just that this is a... This is, the Pacific Northwest is, uh, it's, it's magic. It, it, it is as uh, spectacular mm -hmm. and as, I guess, challenging for outdoor enthusiasts, whether you're on the water or you're on the mountain or whether you're hiking or skiing mm -hmm. or, um, you know, this is very rugged, real geography mm -hmm. with forces. Here? Oh, yeah. Uh, of wind, and I don't know, we don't have any hurricanes here, but the, just the power of the tide and the current mm -hmm. is blown me away. Oh, yeah. As a very naive Canadian from, <laughs> you know, central Canada yeah. who didn't grow up here. Yeah. So I'm thrilled, you know, yeah. to talk to people who find this matter of fact or, no, still quite amazed by what oh, God yeah, created for us amazed. to look at. Well, my condolences for having lived in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got to be tough to live out on the West Coast. You have to be willing to expose yourself to the elements and deal with them. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. That's a good thing. 
No, it, it's better to also keep you a little bit younger. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, all this fresh air. Yeah. All this fresh air out here. I mean, it's here on the edge of the Pacific Ocean when you're out this way. It's yeah. as fresh as it gets. Yeah. Are you uh, relying on the sea for your food? You said you're crabbing yeah. And, yeah. and prawning and fishing. And yeah, we yeah. fish enough in the summertime to, How do you to do go that? on the fish diet. And we fish for bottom fish, you know, cod and halibut and rockfish and... Right off this ship? And we also have a small 14-foot yeah. tender. Up, up top, yep. And yeah. that's our preferred. Yeah. And then we'll set down a crab trap and a prawn trap. So, yeah, and then there's also clams and mussels and oysters. And, yeah. Yeah, so we do quite well that way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, we consider fishing a part of a healthy boating lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So we don't quite understand somebody who will go out in their boat and bring a load of pork chops with them to eat. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> So where are you headed once you leave Ladysmith here? Well, we're going to do a quick trip into Nanaimo, although we don't like Nanaimo. It's just too noisy for us. And then we're going to make a trip up to Muskiti Island. And uh, we have some friends there that are second-generation off-grid people that live on the island there. And there's also a Jedediah, which is a provincial park, which is an old homestead. Right. There's never been less people living on the west coast of British Columbia than there are today. Less people? Less people. There was always more. Yeah. Whether it was white settlers, there used to be steamships plying the coast on a daily basis, for example. First Nations had huge village sites here. And we know how to recognize First Nations village sites, old settler sites. So Jenadiah Island is an old homestead. So it's still got feral sheep that the Spanish left here, goats that the Spanish left here, wandering around the islands. And then we'll make our way north up into Desolation up through the Broughtons, and this could take months. We don't have a real destination, we certainly don't have a time frame. And we're hoping to make it as far as Bella Bella this year, because what I've seen on the maps, on the outside open Pacific, there's all these archipelagos of islands, and nobody goes there. So I expect us to be alone, I expect us to find cool big beaches, and good places to go Maybe fishing. see a spirit beer. Yeah. Patricia loves to go beach combing, mm -hmm. and everything you can imagine blows in on the beach on the outside coast. The inside coast, not so much. Right. But everything from glass balls to you just, you just never know. The crate with the motorcycle in it, you just never know what's going on these ships. Wow. So that'll be fun. Yeah. And we want to visit some of the ghost towns as well. There's Namoo and Ocean Falls, places like that, that were thriving communities that don't exist anymore and some of the First Nations village sites. And we've never been to some of these places, so it's all gonna be new. And what about the winter? Are you okay on board for the winter? And we usually snug into a marina for the winter time. It's nice to have good access to shore, and electricity is nice to have as well, just for heat and what have you. Right. But the, the forces are against us on living on board boats. The federal government has decreed that you're not allowed to live on board your boat at a federally operated marina. So all government wharfs are off limits. Uh, many of the municipalities and the regional district boards where marinas are associated in, they are also putting up rules saying no little boards or limiting the number of little boards in these marinas. So they're basically shoving us off the water. And you know we're seeing things like people dying on their boats in the wintertime, boats running ashore and things like that. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's no choice, there's no place for them to go. 
And if you see the United States or Europe or something like that, if you're in a canalways in Europe and you see a nice place that you'd like to put your boat, you go and apply for a permit, they actually provide you with sewage, water, and electricity, and you pay a fee, but they'll make sure that you have access to your boat and you can stay there and you're welcome. Um, exactly the opposite attitude that we have here in Canada. But at the same time, we're looking for accommodation for people and tiny homes and things like that. And we're willing to build a cement complex to put house people. We won't let them live in a boat. Why not just put an extra finger at the government marina that's 200 yards over that way and say, come here for the winter time. It's a much less expensive solution. But you can find a marina that you'll tie up and, and settle. For so far, so you got to pay yeah, for it. But. Yeah, 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 we do pay. We spent the last couple of winters in Victoria, actually, at the I'll plug you, the Victoria International Marina, a great facility. <laughs> it is a great facility. Right? And you need a boat this size. Of, you have to be 65 feet or bigger just to get into this marina. Right. So it's the home to multi-million dollar boats, and then there's us. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so it's quite fun, but you know, and Victoria again trains me to realize that big cities is is uh, an insane place to actually live. Yeah. You have to be off your rocker to live that sort of lifestyle. I feel so being Careful. more yeah. <laughs> so being more self-sufficient is a way to go. Um, yeah. And right now, you know, we have six months worth of food on board. We have full diesel tanks, full water tanks. We can go for six months. So you're good for six months right now. Yeah. Wow. Great. So, which well, I wish I could show our audience the entire boat. I, I, well, go. Walk well, I mean, I can field. just let me walk around the. Yeah, we're going to sign this water. off, but let me, move out of the way. let me just try to give them a little bit of a. Okay. Sorry about that noise. No, that's yeah. okay. Okay, we're just going to walk in and hope this camera doesn't shake too much. But I thought this would be kind of great. This is like 66 feet. But, you know, this is... Wow. She's pretty. You know, that's pretty spectacular. Isn't yep, it? yep. So it's like full kitchen. We took the stove out because it just took too much electricity and we're not bakers and stuff. So we have, you know, we do just fine with our little... Um, propane and um, a little caloric hot like an air fryer it works great so this is the interior salon and we you can see why I fell in love with her oh yeah you know like stained glass windows you know big double doors you know nice headroom hey like you oh. know when you have a tall husband oh yeah you can't you know be stuffing him into something where he's gonna bang his head all the time I think there's one place in here where he kind of has to watch so, come this way. I'll turn on some lights for you, because I'm sure the lighting would be better. So, this little, this is our little head in here, and it's about as big as the, the, the head I had in my apartment in Vancouver. So it's really not, you know, it's not a hardship. It's not regular, but, okay, look out, cat. Of course, you know, of course, we were not expecting this. So, <laughs> so this is your pilot house. It's all good, right? So he's got all his bells and whistles and my laundry, um, and you know, autopilot and all the good stuff. And we have a little bowel thruster, and and uh, this is Clive's domain. I do watch. I do do my share of watch sometimes. So this 
used to be the captain's quarters, but it only slept one person. So we had to redo this room because the bed ended kind of like right here. Yep. And um, it had a desk because this was for the captain. But we liked, we wanted to be sleeping above above the decks. We didn't want to be. Step out. Right. Yeah. Can, you were going to go out that way? Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, it's got full walkways all the way around, so, you know, yeah, woohoo. And then the, the upper deck is where, where the tender is, and there's all kinds of, like, storage up there, and, and oh, yeah. uh, No, no, this is spectacular. Yeah, it's a beauty. She's a beauty. I'm going to walk back down. Okay. <laughs> Now there, there is a whole other floor if you want to go downstairs. No, okay. Um, but so so there's a there's a forward cabin with two bunks. Um, there's a, a, a cabin sort of under my feet here that has a bunk. There's tons of storage. There's another bathroom. There's a small laundry, washer and dryer, and you know like a laundry room where you can hang your stuff up. Um, and then, of course, the engine room is right under, like, the main salon here. Um, and then it has another set of stairs at that end because the cook had his own. There was a cook, and he had his own quarters um, down those stairs. But we, we took his quarters out because we, had to, we didn't have any place in the bedroom for closets. So we turned the cook's quarters into basically a walk-in closet. So I have half of it and Clive's got half of it. Um, and there's a huge freezer down there because they used to, you know, they carried food. So we don't operate it as a freezer. It's our pantry. And Clive's not kidding. We, I mean, the meals might get a little boring after a while, but we could seriously, if there was an apocalypse or something, we could, we'd just get out and we would just stay out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's wonderful. And, and then this is what, you know, this is what we call the rear salon. Yeah, no, <laughs> of course. So that's great. We're just going to uh, set this back down. And again, you know, during COVID, yeah, of we course, were, you were... We were on Denman. You were in great shape yeah. being out here. Mm -hmm. And Thanks. not a problem. No, no. <laughs> and, and, you know, people often ask me, you know, about, do you have animals on board? So we have two cats, we have two dogs. Um, the cats have basically lived their whole lives on a boat, right? Um, they're, it's not a problem. They, you know, the cats couldn't care less. They don't care if we're underwear or, or not underwear or whatever. The, the dogs find their spot and they just, they're fine. They just stay there. They're just like, oh, okay, we're moving. Um, people ask, you know, well, what do you do, you know, getting them ashore or whatever? Well, I train my dogs to do their business on the bow. Okay. So it's simple. You clean it up. You hose so it down. I got a yep. salt water wash dump yep. up and I hose it down. It's not a big deal. Um, and when we can't get them ashore, we take them ashore. Of course we do. But not everywhere we go is yep. that easy to take them. Or you're worried about wildlife. Or, yep, 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 yep. And yep. he's a big baby. 
Um, well, it sounds like a wonderful lifestyle, it and, is. and it, it is a wonderful vessel. I mean, yeah, that's she's just, a pretty uh, girl. It is, yeah. but I don't even yeah. want to talk about money and cost. I won't even mm. ask you, but I just, no. I, I can't imagine what. Um, you wouldn't believe us. No, no, I know. I just, you know, I'm not going to do that. I yeah. mean, there might be people who are interested because in, this is like a pretty yes. classic boat from '62. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it had some devaluation along the way. Oh yeah. From the, when it was well, I'll tell you a this. work boat. When yeah. they first listed this boat, the last person to own this that we purchased the boat from, when they first listed it, they listed it for four hundred and ten thousand U.S. dollars. Four ten U.S. Yeah. Is that after it was converted to a liveaboard? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well. Hey. What a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, it was nice to, see nice to yeah, and it was nice of you to come oh, yeah. along, John, and introduce yourself and give yeah. us this yeah. opportunity. And, yeah, and certainly, if I don't know, I was, that's why I asked you whether or not you ever watched The Big Bang Theory. Because when you said podcast, I immediately thought of Sheldon and and his fun with flags po- podcast. So I was, but anyway, you didn't know that. So, but no. but just for your viewers, if you see us somewhere and you would like to come and have a chat we're always open to that that's how john got here and yeah and before i sign off i'm just going to step on the dock and show them the the bow of the The boat and then i'm coming back to say goodbye okay so i just want to show you the uh the bow of the boat as we're tied up here so you can tell (laughs) there we go i mean this is a magnificent vessel I say 66 feet. I'll try to get her in the frame as we sign off. There she is. That is the Hecate Ranger. Beautiful, eh?